Hey, everyone. Thank you for joining me for another episode with Paramount Life with Paige. I have Miss Yvonne with me, and she is going to talk about purpose and identity with yourself in Christ, as well as within the world nowadays. So I'm going to go ahead and let you hop on and start talking. Hi, Paige. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Of course. Um, Yeah, 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 yeah. So I started... um, so I've been a Christian for 38 years now. I came to the Lord when I was 29. And I was one of those young women that had everything really put together. I had, I had um, college degrees. I had a good sense of fashion. I had beautiful children. <laughs> all of those things. And when I came to the Lord... There was obviously, prior to coming to the Lord, like I had all of those pieces in place, but I was really aware, I was really aware that I was jacked up, (laughs) to tell you the truth. I was really, really aware of that. So when I came to the Lord, it was tremendous relief to begin to then discover who I was in Christ. However, I still had roadblocks. I had emotional roadblocks blocks that I didn't know, like my feelings got hurt really easily. I had lots and lots of fear. I had lots of shame. I had lots of guilt. And as I grew in the Lord, I grew in other areas of my life and in my walk with the Lord. But the truth is, I still battled with like my trifecta of pain, which were for me, Fear, guilt, and shame. I battled with that every single day. It didn't matter. I could be achieving. I could be winning trophies. I could be named. I could be elected to some position, but I still battled with just underlying those underlying issues. So for me, fear, guilt, and shame were built really big. I also suffered from lots of rejection and abandonment. Yeah. And I was raised in a stable family. My dad slept in our home every single night. He did not come home drunk. My my parents were entrepreneurs. And so they taught us a really great work ethic. And so I had lots of things going for me. But I still struggled with abandonment and rejection issues And then just on that daily basis, that fear, guilt, and shame. And I just was always looking to to be healed, but I didn't know how to attain the healing. I understand that. I just did not know how to access that. Well, did you have, um, you said you grew up in a very... um, I guess you could say like in society right now, it's like a normal home, mom, dad, there, everything. Did you get the kind of background that you have now while you were growing up? Like, were you guys in a Christian based home, spirit filled, you know, went to church every Sunday kind of home? Good question. That's a great question because we did not have relationship with God. We knew about God. So we went to church every Sunday but we did lack the relationship with God. Exactly. We didn't oh, have that. For me. 
Yeah, we didn't have that, but we had a lot of stability. And when I came to the Lord, I was thankful for all the discipline I had learned in my home, even though we didn't have a relationship with God. Because when I came to the Lord and when I was mentored as a young Christian woman, I jumped into the whole thing of you read your Bible every day, you spend time in prayer every day. Like all of those things came very easily to me because we were raised very disciplined in our home, even though we didn't have a relationship. So I was able to take those disciplined skills and transfer them to now a relationship with God. So I grew in my relationship with God because I was taught early on you get up early before anybody else is awake in the home so that you, because I worked out of the home, you get up before everybody else does so that you can pray and read your Bible. And I had mentors that taught me how to read my Bible and taught me how to pray. So all of that was going great, but it didn't change the fact that I had these soul struggles. That's what they were. I had soul struggles and I, years ago, I mean, I was always pursuing healing because I knew that there were, there were broken parts on the inside of me. Yeah. And so I was always pursuing healing, but you know, 20 years ago, people were not speaking or at least where I was churched, were not speaking about all of the broken parts and how they could be healed and restored. Because yeah. I was reconciled to Christ, but my soul was not restored yet. I had a lot of brokenness in my soul. Kind of one foot in, one foot out kind of a thing. Well, I walked very diligently with the Lord. Yeah. I, I never, like, I walked very, very diligently with the Lord because of the discipline that I learned growing up. So all of that was good. And I was growing in God but I just didn't know how to access the word or how to find mentors that were going to help me with the broken parts of my soul. And I, the first thing I did, the first, the first teaching that I got in that area. Oh, well, here we'll just say like we were in crisis. Our marriage was in crisis. And I ended up going to a Christian counselor who taught me, about ungodly beliefs. Like you have these behaviors or these thoughts or these attitudes because of what you believe that's really deep down in your soul. And that was when I first became aware of how to access healing. So God really worked that crisis in our marriage for good Mm -hmm. because I began to access tools to I, to access healing. And then I studied I studied belief therapy which is the same premise. You your thoughts, your actions, your words are all fruit of underlying beliefs. And so I I finally began to develop a vocabulary to say, okay, now I know why I hurt so much when this happens. Now I know why I have this repetitive behavior that leads me down a rabbit hole and there's nothing good at the end of that rabbit hole. And so I began to develop a, a vocabulary. 
And then I actually, several years ago, so it was a progression of things, but then I actually got trained to minister inner healing. But in order to get trained to minister in that area, obviously, I had to be ministered to first. Yeah. And that's when I began to do this work of discovering the difference between our corporate identity as the body of Christ, because we have a corporate identity. The Bible, Jesus said when, before he left, he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. That's what he told us to do. That's our mission and our assignment corporately as the body of Christ. That's what our lives are all about. But then the Bible also talks about we are the body of Christ and some of us are a knee and some of us are an ear. Some of us are a nose. We have all these different places. And that's the work that began the discovery that happened for me when I got trained in inner healing because I became aware of where I fit in the body of Christ yeah. And then I just began to pursue the Lord personally about this. And from my own journey of pursuing healing in those areas, I now minister to women. I mentor women in the, in the, in the arena of identity and purpose. Which is amazing because a lot of women need that. I was going to ask you really quick or say, um, I know whenever you were saying that you you learned about all of this and then you ha- have had the opportunity and have for years now to be able to teach people about their purpose and identity. But I'm sure since you were talking about, you know, having the, I guess you could say like our flesh, certain things our flesh does not want to let go past. Like you want to Someone says you're wrong. You want to say, no, you're wrong. I'm right. Like this 100%. I am correct. But instead of doing that, you know, you want to just sit back and let, okay, let them say that I'm wrong, whatever. Like, let's just not get an argument kind of a thing. But I don't know about you. A lot of times I find myself, if someone tells me something that I want to retort back. So I guess my question is, were you ever, or did you ever find yourself maybe, um, like you said, you found it. And then you had to get taught what you now know in order to teach others. Were you ever at a point whenever your flesh, whenever you first started wanting to go from starting to learn about it to immediately wanting to jump and start teaching about it? You didn't want to have that bridge to both sides to where you had the the understanding and everything. You just immediately wanted to show someone how to do this. I have always ministered to women. Like I said, I have been a Christian for 38 years now, and I have always ministered to women. And I don't know if you've ever heard people say, you know, in order to be a teacher, you just have to be one step ahead of the student. Yeah. (laughs) You don't have to know it all. You just have to be one step ahead. And sometimes that's what God does with us. Sometimes we get completely schooled, and then He puts us in a place where we start to share with others. And sometimes, the Lord just will say like you, he'll do one little piece of healing and then, and then he'll release you to go teach that one little piece to others. 
And then you get another piece that's healed. And then the Lord releases you like, okay, go share that with somebody. And then, so it just depends. It just depends on where you are and what assignment that you have in your life, you know, what assignment that you have in your life. And I have always, I, I am an, I am, I'm a trained teacher because I spent, I have a master's degree in education. So I spent 33 years in the public schools and I was, so teaching is very natural to me. And I, I have very relationship oriented. So the minute I learn something, just like you said, I am ready to go share that with somebody. Mm -hmm. But, but I have that enthusiasm because I remember how broken I was. I mean, I remember, I can remember like my husband, I could call him when I was young, like I could call him by name. And if he would turn around and say like, what? Like (laughs) just a question and him raising his eyebrow would break me on the inside. I would experience such rejection because I had, I had a root of rejection. I had a root of rejection and (laughs) it wasn't even reasonable. The, The poor man, like, my expectations of him were so high because of my brokenness. He couldn't be normal because I was so broken and his just being a normal human being hurt me if, if he wasn't consistently affirming me because I had a root of rejection and that's the very first piece of identity work. That's a, I don't want to say the first piece. That's a big part is going back and taking a look at those ungodly beliefs that we have and that we operate out of on a day-to-day basis because we can ask Jesus to heal them but we first have to be first of all you have to be aware of them and you have to be willing to name them and you have to be willing to own up that you chose to you inadvertently choose because experiences cause us to develop beliefs mm-hmm. and those beliefs create expectations. And then those expectations lead us right back into those same kind of experiences. And then it's a circle. It's, it's yeah. a cycle. It's a circle <laughs> and a cycle, both. And we stay in on a hamster wheel for myself, I, I was very performance oriented. And I can tell you when that started in my life. When I was in elementary school, I took dancing lessons. And when we got through dancing, we could, with our performance at the year-end recital, you could run all the way around the um, auditorium and go to the back of the auditorium and watch the other girls dance. And I was probably eight or nine and I can hard, I can remember I did my first dance and I ran all the way around so I could watch the other girls dance. And when I was walking up the steps, I ran into my dad. He was just coming to the auditorium, which means he had not been in a seat and watched me dance. I found out he had been sitting in the car listening to the baseball game. <laughs> It see like you you can tell that story and you can la- we can laugh about it now but the truth now and it was huge to you that at that time what happened is I developed this belief in order for my dad to pay attention to me 
I can't just perform. I have to be the best. I had to win prizes. I had to win trophies. I had to compete in hard contests. And I began to do that so that I could have his attention because I really believed from that experience, I believed if he's going to come and watch me at anything, I have to be the best. So I began this hamster wheel of performance that just went on and on. I got married. I moved, you know, had children and I'm still on, I was still on that hamster wheel. Like I can't just give it my best. I have to be the best because at that time I wanted my dad's attention, my biological dad's attention. I transferred that to my husband and he was not even like that, but I, but I had this mentality of, if he's going to love me, I have to be the very best. Yeah. And, and then I also trend, took that into my relationship with God. Like, this is how God's going to love me. He's going to love me if I am the best. And so I went through inner healing. I went through an actual inner healing session to be healed of that performance that ungodly belief that I had that in order to be loved and accepted and affirmed, probably not accepted, but affirmed by the men that were important to me, I had to be the best at things. I can completely understand that. <laughs> Because growing up, like I was telling you, we grew up in a Christian home, but we went to church. And then as soon as we left church, it was back to normal. There was no Bible reading. There was, you know, we did prayer at, at dinner. And I remember my mom would say prayers us whenever we went to bed. But it was like the the basic, like, now I lay me down to sleep kind of prayer. And um, I remember, too, being like how you said, how you were just driven to to make sure that everybody knew you were there, to make sure that your dad paid attention and all that. I didn't have that growing up. My parents were there and they were present, but they weren't present. I guess you could say like, like I, the dance competition. I had stuff like that all throughout middle school and high school. And I can count on my hands the number of times that I remember my parents being there, but there were hundreds of times that they had the opportunity to be there. But everyone has their fleshly desires and unfortunately sometimes that that leaves some of us i mean i don't really know how to describe it. like it leaves a void like you had said like you know something's missing and that's where someone like you comes in and is able to talk to someone like me who needs that help that guidance to find what's missing in me what has that, like, since you are doing that now, how, do you feel like that's filled that spot that you felt like you were needing to be filled? That's a wonderful question because the healing took what, when the healing takes place, then it is signed, sealed, and delivered in the spiritual realm. Yep. But then we have to learn new practices new behaviors. <laughs> and that's where the renewal of the mind comes in. 
the renewal of the mind comes in. You can go through healing like that, but then you have to cont- you have to walk out the healing and the walking out of the healing comes with renewing of the mind. That can and be very difficult. And being aware and being aware it requires commitment. It requires commitment. But once you've experienced like that healing and you know that that thing that has driven you or that piece that has like pulled you down your whole life that has impeded you from being who you were supposed to be, once you've experienced the joy of that healing, the joy and the peace, holy moly, the peace of knowing I'm not so broken anymore. (laughs) Like I've got some pieces that are together now that motivates. That's where the motivation comes to renew the mind and to be intentional about creating new practices. Yeah. Well, that's something even I can benefit from because I like your niece, Alyssa, um, who's just found the Lord within the past what year and a half. Um, I remember she said that you had her sewing into her from when she was little up to now present. And, um, she is very, very, very lucky to have someone like you. Cause unfortunately I, I didn't have someone praying for me and directing me into the path that I knew that I need that, that they knew that I needed to be on. And that's something that, I'm seeing full circle with her. So I know, not that I didn't ever believe that it didn't work because I know the Lord can do all kinds of things. He can move mountains if needed, but it's just interesting to see it because like I said, you can hear all of this stuff and people can tell you all kinds of things that have happened for them and everything. But until you see it right in front of you, it's one of those things that like you, it's talked about and you hear and you kind of process it, but you're like, Hmm, okay. Is that really happening? Is that really something that I can have? And that's why it's a blessing whenever you have been taught and you can continue to teach on to future generations and they can teach to future generations what you know about, because something that helped Alyssa might not be something that helps me and something that helps me might not be something that helps her. Not these, so the specifics, possibly not. Yeah. But we all have ungodly beliefs that impede (laughs) us from being who God created us to be. Yeah. But until you are in a place and with people who know how to minister in that area, because it's a specialized area of ministry. It is. It's yeah. a specialized area of ministry. And it can, it is for everyone. It, yeah. it is for everyone. I say that because I can remember I had a pastor who is still my mentor today. And she would say to me, honey, everybody doesn't walk with a limp like you do. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> because, because those 
that the broken parts of me were just so apparent, you know, they were so, so apparent and they were so present. And she used to say that to me. And it, by the grace of God, I can remember her. I can remember her saying that to me and she was not being mean to me. She was just saying, everybody doesn't walk with like, a. everybody doesn't have this amount of hurt. And, um, and I can remember like it was yesterday thinking, yeah, but I do. And I know God wants to heal it. Yeah. That comment did not discourage me of it's not for you. Like, go, you know, just get over it. Like, cause I knew I couldn't get over it. I couldn't get over it. And when you have those roots of like rejection or abandonment or fear, when you have those things that are deeply rooted in your soul, you can't just get over it. And even there are things in this area where you might be able to take the word of God and just begin to confess the word of God over yourself and you experience some relief. But what I found for myself, and I see this in many, many people, is that the healing has to go deeper than that for the word of God to take effect, if that yeah. makes sense. Because yes. it's like having a, a deep uh, weeds out in your backyard. You might have a, you know, a taproot goes really, really deep. Mm-hmm. And you can pull the leaves off the top. But if you don't pull that taproot out, and dig sometimes with a, sho- a shovel to pull it all the way up out from the bottom so that the light can kill it in a sense. Because that's what happens when you bring a root up out of the soil, the sun shines on it and it dries up and withers. Yeah. And that's what we have to do in this area of, in this area of inner healing you got to pull the roots out up from the soil because sometimes they are, they are really, really deep. And sometimes they're connected to generations. Yes. And so then there, <laughs> then that's a, you know, that's another layer. If, if, if what you suffer with, you, you suffer it, you suffer with it because you watch your mom do the same thing, mm-hmm. who watched her mom do the same thing. But the Bible makes it very clear that the Lord has a way for generational curses to be broken. That they do not have to stop. I can tell you, you paid me a great compliment and that Alyssa's blessed to have me to be mm-hmm. a mentor to her. We come from a family where people didn't have relationship with God. We were good religious people. But in the 70s, if you study church history, there was a the Jesus movement mm-hmm. during the 70s. And I can remember those days where you could just say, Jesus, and people would say, I want it. Mm-hmm. And several, so I came, I accepted Christ then. I was like 16. I didn't walk successfully with God after that, but I accepted Jesus as my 
Lord and Savior at that time. And at that very time, numerous of my aunts came to know the Lord and they were already women. So there were like five of them all walked successfully with God and they prayed my generation into the kingdom. And then my generation is now praying the next generation and discipling the next generation in. Yeah. And so you might be page the first one in your line to then begin the breaking of generational curses from your past. I certainly hope so. Cause I know <clears throat> my husband and I both came from um, lines where anger issues were huge. And I find myself even, I'm 34 years old. I have two kids, 10 and seven. I find myself some days where they, I'm sure you can relate because you have kids that they just some days <laughs> after a long day and it comes time for homework or what have you, you're just like, get it done before <laughs> snap. And I had one of those days this past week and I am doing my best now because now I realize it. I didn't realize it before. My husband and I gave our life to the Lord. I don't want to say, like, we've known the Lord. He grew up in a very spiritful church. He was baptized when he was a baby. So was I. But again, we just kind of walked the walk, but didn't talk the talk. And I know that that was a huge thing in my family. I mean, it's still in my family to this day is a huge thing. The annoyance and the arguing and the anger and all that. And I find myself a lot since giving my life to the Lord where I'm like, I, I react. And then as soon as I do, I'm like, oh, my God. Like, <laughs> I just screamed at my child for doing something that I did 20 minutes ago that they saw me do. And now I'm mad at them for doing it. But yet I just did it. So how can I be mad at them and scream at them? You know, <laughs> and it's, But it's something that I saw growing up. And it, right. I can, I mean, at least at this point, I'm self-aware of it, but I do, you know, you, you have to make the changes. You have to be willing to change and seeing you, even though you were in your younger years and your marriage and all that, and with your kids, you were making the changes. So it gives me hope that, you know, uh, at some point <laughs> you will. I will be able you- to not react. And when, when like something along what you just said, that is just something that you realize, like, I just did this thing. I didn't have a reason to really do this thing. I teach women a, an, an exercise called the exchange. And I tell them, I, and I, I teach creative journaling. Uh-huh. And because I, what I have found is in my relationship with God, in the work that the Lord is doing in me, When I journal, if I journal images, they act like anchors to help me remember the freedom I experience. And so I teach women like, okay, you have a, you had an anger, you have an anger issue. So I would say to you, Paige, open up your journal, draw a cross. And then I want you to draw a boulder at the cross and I want you to name it. And it would be for yourself. What would it be? What, what did you do with, is it anger? Yes. Or, okay. I get, I mean, 
There's numerous things. <laughs> okay. Uh, listen, <laughs> but anger. Times I do the, all right. So I'm going to give you this example. I would say draw a boulder. Now I want you to close your eyes and I want you to imagine that you are across the field from you're across the field from that cross and that boulder of anger is right there at your side. I want you to pick it up and I want you to carry it to the cross. And so I would ask you, pick it up in your mind's eye, see yourself picking up this boulder and go drop it off at the cross and then turn around you will, and it, God's going to give, make an exchange with you. You've given him the sin of your anger. Now turn around and see what he gives you in exchange yeah. for that anger. And you sit quietly. And sometimes people will say, Ooh, I feel peace. I hear the word peace. Or I have, I, I can see like a bouquet of roses. You know, yeah. sometimes it's a word, sometimes it's an image, and then you have something that you exchange with God, because Jesus was the ultimate exchange. He exchanged his life for ours. He gave his life so that we might have abundant life. And so when I teach women to do this, I tell them, and I do this myself, I do this with my on a regular basis. And I see my boulders, I carry them, I put them over at the cross. And then in my journal, I will draw the boulders and I will name them. And then I just ask God, what, what would you give me in exchange for these sins that I've given, that I've left at the cross? Yeah. And the Lord sometimes will speak a scripture. Sometimes he gives a, 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 a song, a picture. And then I journal about it. Like, Thank you, Lord, for this bouquet of roses. I know that every mercies are new every morning with you. And then I have relief from my pain because I knew that that anger situation, I knew that there was no real reason for it. Yeah. And then you have some, you have freedom. So that the exchange is an exercise I teach women for like day-to-day, just the day-to-day things that we go through. And then I also minister to women in the area of inner healing in, I have lots of different, lots of different tools that I use. But for example, if you for yourself said, okay, you know what, I do want to go through, I I would like to be ministered to in this area of anger because this happens to me, it happened in in the previous generation, happened in the generation before that. Yeah. Then I would take you through an entire process of ministry to that just one issue. Just that one issue. How long do you, these sessions or segments or what are you going to call them? Series. Yep. <laughs> yeah. you. How long do you, I know everybody is different. I might take a week for this. Someone else might take a year for this. How long do you typically have, I guess, how long is your time typically with someone with something like that? 
So the work that I do with women, I do one-on-one mentorship and I tell them we, the work of transformation takes time. We're going to work together for six months and we're going to meet every week for six months. And together we're going to pursue the Lord to have him uncover these areas that need to be healed. And as that is going, as we're doing that, we're also building on the identity, discovering who did God create you to be? He did not create you to be a woman that has anger issues. That's a false identity. So as we get pursue healing, we're also going to be building discovering that new identity and putting pieces together to build and strengthen, to build a firm foundation in God's true identity for you. Because then when you are certain, this is who he created me to be, then I can do the things he's created me to do. Yeah. And then you have tools to combat the day-to-day stresses yeah. and the day-to-day, we all have buttons that get pushed. We all have yes, different buttons do. that get pushed. <laughs> and so that's what we do. We, we pursue the healing and we build simultaneously. And through the building, I help women with tools that help manage the button pushing that we all experience on a day-to-day basis. But it's a six-month. So for the mentorship is a six-month work that we do. Now, I also do workshops. I also do workshops like um, I do a three-week workshop on identity and purpose. Just specifically, we don't go, there's not a whole lot of inner healing that takes place. But, a, but there is a significant amount of uncovering the identity that God gave you. And we do that through, I help women discover their core, what I call the core words. It's mm-hmm. not the same thing as your va- core values. It's your core words, like who did God create you to be? And oftentimes, all right, I'll give you an example of my, a friend of mine. She is extremely, extremely organized and administrative. If you're on a, in a, if you're in a group with her, if you're in, on a committee with her, if you're working with her, she's always the one that takes the administrative role because she's just, she's good at it. She's amazing at it. But when she went through, so it's the watermark, it's called the watermark workshop, which is identity and purpose. Um, that's a three week workshop. And when we went, she went through that three week workshop, she realized administration is a skill I've developed, but mm-hmm. it's not who God created me to be. I can do it, but it's not what gives me joy. It's not where I feel satisfied. Yeah. And so now she knows she takes on administrative roles as she prays and Holy Spirit releases her too. She no longer feels pressured to take on the administrative jobs in everything she does in her church and her community and whatever, because she knows 
that's not at the core of my identity. That's a skill I've developed, which is different from the core of who I am. Does that make sense? Yes. No, it does. I know someone exactly like that. And she actually just recently announced that she was stepping down from a role. It's someone within our church. Um, And she's taking on a different, one of her passions that she has through the Lord, taking on a different, traveling down a different road, if you will. She's still going to be there and do some of the things, but she's taking a different path. And I know she, when, when I heard her speak about this and announcing to the church that she was doing this, she said exactly that, that she, she prays about it and everything before she does it. But she got to the point where she didn't feel like satisfaction from it or, you know, in a way have purpose behind it. And so she decided to step off that and go down the other path that she always knew she wanted to be on. But she just felt like she had to to take it easy and go the easy route and not get in the dirt, if you will, and pull those weeds. (laughs) There you go. Yeah. There you go. That's good. And what happens is that when we step out of those areas where we're just working at, you know, sometimes we have to work and we're in areas where we've developed skills. I mean, we have to. Yeah. But if you're always working in those areas of just high skill level and you're not working in the things that give you joy and where your true anointing is like you've got a strong anointing in this other area but you'll never experience that because we'll we'll stay just keep working in the areas of skill development and you know what? It works for everybody. <laughs> like, yeah. because everybody needs a strong administrator or everybody needs um, uh, someone who will come in and do the hospitality all the time. And if that's your gifting, that's one thing. But if it's just an area where you've developed skill, you can't stay there forever or else you won't fulfill the call of God on your life. That's why I'm doing this. <laughs> it's <laughs> funny you say that because I'm a hairstylist. I've been doing hair for 14 years now, and I love it. Absolutely love it. It's been a passion of mine since I was a little girl, and I throw myself into every color class, haircutting class, all of that. Anything that I can do to improve what I already have the skills to do that I learned at basic stuff in beauty school. But for the longest time, I love having conversations like this or bringing up the things that you're not supposed to bring up within our society. Mm. That is again, you know, looked down or frowned upon by certain people. Um, and it's not a daily topic, not as one that you'll hear in a coffee shop talking about abortion or, you know, finding yourself in Christ or the stuff that I was talking about with Morgan a couple weeks ago. You don't hear these kind of things on a daily basis. And I myself personally, read public speaking. And so that's why this was a perfect thing for me to do because I get to have the conversations like I want to. I'm just not, I know you and I are over zoom right now, but I'm, I'm not face to face with a camera, you know, shining on me and the person I'm talking to. And I'm still getting to do what I want. Maybe eventually we'll get to where (laughs) 
we're, we're on a video kind of thing other than Zoom. But as of right now, this is where I'm comfortable. But I cannot remain, like you had said, I cannot remain in this one little place and keep going. I have to move, continue on. So that's something I think a lot of people, like you had said, they find their skill set or whatever, and they stay there. Or they find that one little thing that they love, and they just, you know, sit there and, and little bit by little bit, oh, okay, we're in a comfortable place again. And I, I know that I have felt that a lot here recently, and that's why I chose to do what I did in starting this podcast. And it's been interesting because when Alyssa mentioned you, um, she was like, you have to have her on because everything that you're telling me right now is similar to what she helps other women with. So it's just, <laughs> it comes full circle. Well, I'm happy to have the, co- I'm happy to have this first conversation. <laughs> yes, for sure. For sure. Um, whenever you like what, I guess, what drove you to, how do I work this? I don't even know. I guess what drove you to um, become mentoring other women and everything? I know you have your past that you've explained, but like what truly drove you to become a mentor for other women and kind of share it? Like, do do you share your experiences that you've personally had with them or do you keep it on kind of a surface level? What do you normally do? Most of the time in my work with women, I might share some of my stuff, but because I've got a, because I've got a pretty full toolkit, mm-hmm. it's almost, I, I, I don't need, I don't need to talk about my experiences yeah. because when I start working with women, they've got something that they need to work out. And so that's where the focus is. Yeah. I don't, I don't really need to share much of my stuff. I, I might share, you know, yeah. and I might share and some, let me tell you, sometimes there are weeks with some of my clients that I'm just one step ahead of them yeah. because every client is different and she might be, going through a situation that is new and very different from all the other clients that I've worked with. And so the Lord will prepare me sometimes just keeping me one step ahead. And that's really all I need, you know? So when my clients come, when we come into sessions, when I come into private clients with my, excuse me, sessions with my private clients, really it it's, it's about them. It's, yeah, it's about them. And I'll have a plan for the day. And I'll always be prepared. Unless they know they can always say, I know we had something else planned. But today, this is what I need to work on. Yeah, because of such and such. And then that's where we'll go that we'll start, we'll start working on what they have the most urgency about, because they're the ones that are experiencing the discomfort. They're the ones that are experiencing the pain and they're the ones that are hungry for the transformation. So oh, it needs sure. to be directed by the client. Yeah. Well, that's good. Cause I'm like, I myself, have you, 
I guess, had someone that's come in and um, I guess know that they need help, but not know where they need the help in. You know, like me, myself, whenever I first gave my life to the Lord, I was just like, oh, this is wonderful. Okay, God, like we're all good now. This slate is clean. I am good. There is nothing wrong with me anymore. And there sure is. (laughs) Surprise! Yeah. So have you ever had someone come in like that that's just like has no idea what they need help with and you're able to pinpoint it, kind of help them along with that or help them pinpoint it? Yes. Typically before I start working with someone, because I do, before we make the agreement that we're going to work together for six months, we go through a call and I Mm -hmm. have 10 questions that I ask. And through that, we look to see if the work that I do is a match for what they're going through. Yeah. What are, you said 10 questions. What are some of the questions that you ask? My very first question, and this is what launches the whole conversation, is if we were having a conversation one year from today, and I asked you, Paige, tell me what's gone on in your life in the last year. What would you say to me? And then once they start to describe, like, I want to be able to love my in-laws because I can't stand them. You know, (laughs) I uh, don't want to feel so pressured at work anymore because I know I'm, I know I'm good at what I do, but I feel like I'm never good enough at work. It may be, you know, it's a myriad of things, just a myriad of things. I'm tired of procrastinating. I'm so sick and tired of procrastinating and looking at myself as a procrastinator. Uh, so it, they're just a myriad of situations, but that is where we start off. That's good. Cause that, that can lead to a wide <laughs> exactly, <laughs> that's exactly open field right. of everything, everything. So, have, um, have you ever, I guess, along with your topic of identity and purpose, have you ever had anybody come to you that's just been completely broken is to the point where they're just like, I don't know what to do anymore. I give up. Yes. Not that I give up, but if I don't get help immediately, something bad is going to happen. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and typically they, typically they are well put together professionals. Right. That look great on the outside. (laughs) Yeah. They, you know, they keep, and they're they're good at what they do. They but they're they're some some of my clients are like crumbling under the under pressure, just crumbling under pressure, and they don't know why. They yeah. don't know why. They you know it might be I just can't manage home and work. I don't know how to keep the balance in that. It may be. My home is wonderful. I just can't bear the weight of the work anymore because the expectations are so high. It may be I manage work and home well, and I'm sick of being comfortable. Yeah. I mean, again, it could, it's a wide range of responses, just yeah. a wide range of responses. But 
But what happens is when, when they finally get to the place where, okay, I think I am ready for some of this transformative work, they're sick and tired of being sick and tired. Yeah, I feel yeah. that. <laughs> and feel and like there really. are lots of women who will who would love to do a little bit of work because they're not willing to look at the whole ball of wax yet. Yeah. And that's okay because you have you have to get to that point. I mean, I was like that for years. Like, yeah. I'll just keep the ball rolling, keep the ball rolling, keep the ball rolling until I couldn't keep the ball rolling anymore. <laughs> yeah. That's, I feel like I've come to a point like that too. Like I'm 34 years old now, you know, I have two kids, husband, work, all that. And I know I myself have found certain things that like, for instance, TV or Facebook, social media. Like I, I see my husband and his whole entire Facebook or his things that he watches on TV, Christian based, you know, rarely has any kind of cussing or any kind of, you know, mature audience storyline or anything like that. Meanwhile, me, I'm over here. still was, I will say I haven't picked up Grey's Anatomy in a good while, but watching <laughs> Grey's Anatomy where, you know, it has the LGBTQ stuff going on and, you know, people married that are together and then they're with someone else in the show. And, you know, that like, that's a worldly thing. And you have to give those kinds of things up. I don't disagree with you. But there is a but for me. Okay. Once we begin to like pursue that healing, then we don't have to give it up because it's, you know, it's not good for you. Yeah. Like your taste changes. Yeah. Your, your hunger, your appetite, your appetite, your appetite changes because, because you have more joy, you have more peace in your life. You, and you're unwilling to get out of that peaceful space. Yeah. When, when you begin to really pursue healing and you experience life, you experience life from a healed place, then you're unwilling oftentimes to mess up, mess that up. You're like, yeah. mm -mm, I paid too much of a price to get to this place of wholeness and I'm not willing to mess with the wholeness. Yeah. That's what and I've it's started. It's a whole different ball game. <laughs> yes. I've, I've started to realize that a lot more as I continue to walk down this road that like, they're like social media is a huge thing in, in the world right now. Huge Facebook, Instagram, all that. And I've noticed myself seeing certain things or having old friends that, you know, we'd go out drinking or whatever, or even have our kids there when we were drinking. And, you know, I have zero desire to do that anymore. I have zero desire to drink. Like I'll go out to dinner and before I used to get a martini or a beer or something, I have zero desire to do that now. Five years ago, I would have been down to do it even three years ago, you know, and uh, seeing certain things on social media with people talking with, you know, cuss words on their posts or um, pictures that were posted of someone, you know, wearing an inappropriate top or whatever, or being 
too much skin on the picture or what have you. I don't want to see that anymore. So I go and friend that person or I go and, and make sure I'm not going to see it or what have you. And I have noticed that change in me. Beautiful. And I know I have, a, yeah, I have a few friends that have said the exact same thing. So it shows me, I know I'm not to the point where I'd love to be currently. And I, I have let a bunch of things come in the way of that, which I shouldn't. But I know there's a lot of us that are in similar situations. There are some that are 100% there and have no problem. And then there are some people like me that are still slowly walking down the path, even though we should be running, slowly walking down of it because we still have our fleshly desires. You know? I'm gonna I, I'm gonna push back on that because okay. I, I don't think there is anyone that's a hundred percent like I think we all have we all have issues that continue to mess with us yeah they may look different you know some of it may be things that are external like a temptation to drink more than you need to drink a temptation to let your favorite curse word come out okay for some people that's no big deal but there are other things on the inside that other people can't see yeah that may be the struggle yeah pridefulness pridefulness being proud, proud, you know, pridefulness. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's an issue that everyone struggles with, you know, whether we are willing to admit it or not, but that's something that continues to mess with all of us. And so, again, I think that if we just have the desire to, Lord, I want to be, the person you created me to be. Yeah. And if you will open the doors to show me how to discover it, who you created me to be, I'm going to follow that. I'm yeah. going to follow that. Cause if we ask him, he'll, he'll begin to open those doors. I mean, I felt like I banged on those doors for a long time. <laughs> like, yeah, where, Lord, where is this? Where is this? Until those things started opening up. And the first time it started opening up was when our marriage was having, was in crisis when our marriage was in crisis and I had to go to counseling and that's how it started opening up all those, the years prior to that, that I'm just reading my Bible at prayer meetings and asking God, show me how to get healed of this stuff. It never opened up. It didn't open up until I was in crisis. And yeah. I thank God that he uses every single thing in our lives, every single thing in our lives. He, he wastes absolutely nothing. And so for your listeners that are at a place where they feel like, is, is life never going to get better for me? Or am I never going to get over this hump? If you ask God and say, God, I want the wholeness that you paid for at the cross because he paid for he, he gave his life so that we could be whole. I want the wholeness that you paid for, Jesus. Yeah. If you will lead me down the path, Lord, I will follow. Yeah. And he will. Yes, exactly. He will. <laughs> I've seen it a time or two thus far. Well, I guess 
you are correct with what you said that we're all not 100% there. And I guess what I, what I meant by that was we can see one person standing right in front of us and they look like they're 100%. Like you said, with your, your clients that you have that are perfectly put together, have, have all their life together. But meanwhile, inner inside, they don't. And I guess that, that, that can be kind of, I guess the, the way that I was going with that is just that it looks so apparent that they're, they are there. They are good to go, but they're not. So that's what I meant by that. <laughs> Some people show kind of their stress. Some yes. people show, show their stress because they're screamers or they overeat or they bite their nails. Uh, like some people show their stress and I others show. don't and, <laughs> and others do not, or we show one aspect, but other people don't know the stress that's, you know, that's like churning on the inside that I, that we don't talk about, that we don't tell anybody about. Yeah. There's usually a lot of that. I mean, people walk around daily with it and we are very, very, very lucky to have someone with your expertise being able to help guide us and everything through life. Because I mean, there aren't a lot of people that, that do what you do. I mean, I know within the world there are, but I mean, there's not a lot of people that you can personally connect with. Like I I never would have met you had it not been for your niece, you know? So it just goes to show that like throughout life, every single person has a way of showing you something that you actually need, but weren't aware of and can put those people in your life who can help you do that. But can you tell everyone exactly where they can get any information that they need to in regards to connecting with you or connecting with information that they can use, anything like that in regards to this? Yes. So you can visit my website, which is Yvonne V, as in victory, com, And on Facebook... I am Yvonne Renovate Your Life. And Yvonne is Y-V-O-N-N-E. Yvonne Renovate Your Life. And on my Facebook page, I put, uh, I put out videos every week that have little nuggets of how to live authentically. And so I put a, a three to five minute video out every single week. And I'm very prayerful about about the content that I put out because it, I want it to affect people's lives. I don't just make a little video just for the heck of making a video. I want it to create impact in people's lives. Yeah. Well, it's good that you put out like the three to five, two minute videos because a lot of times I know as like a working mom and everything, I don't have an hour to devote to listening to a video, you know? Exactly. Exactly. So that's why I do, I do nuggets. I do. I take what the Holy spirit teaches me and I put it into little bitty nuggets that people can listen to and apply and practice. Yeah. And also I would invite your listeners to go to my website and the contact contact Yvonne. You can just uh, look for me on the contact page and I can put you on my email list because I send out an email once or twice a month with again, more content and, 
and also invitations to, to workshops and things like that. And so I teach about four free workshops a year for people who are like, who are just like listening to this and saying, okay, this sounds interesting, but like I've never done anything like this before. So I, in fact, I'm scheduled to do one. I think it's the first, I think it's at the beginning of June. Not exactly sure, but if people want to sign up for my, for my email, for my newsletter, I will, you know, they'll be kept abreast of that. I also make sure that that is available at, um, on my Facebook, on my Facebook page. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, I also, so I do four free workshops. I have a watermark workshop, which is a five week workshop for identity and purpose, as well as the second part, a two week work part is called rest well, live better, where I teach women a morning ritual of how to wake up and identify your needs, then ask God to meet that need, turn it into a daily intention, and then how to end the day. So it's a morning ritual and a nighttime ritual that will help you go to bed without trying to just escape the pressures of the day. (laughs) Yeah, which is very hard sometimes, especially if your mind doesn't turn off. Like it's I close my eyes and be like, do my prayers and everything and be ready to go to bed. And as soon as it gets quiet, then it's like immediately it clicks back on again. And you're, oh. Yeah. So the information about the upcoming workshops are on, will always be on my website as well as on my Facebook page. And I send it through email. Okay. Cool. Like I said, I do, I do workshops for smaller groups of women. I do one-on-one mentoring and then I do free workshops. Awesome. And then all the content on Facebook is free. I know you're located out of San Antonio. So are would it be okay at like Zoom calls, Skype calls, all that kind of stuff? Do you just still do it I, like that? I work with people of uh, like I have clients in Tennessee, clients it uh, like clients in other states. Because of Zoom, I'm able to work with anybody anywhere. Awesome. Awesome, yeah. awesome. Because I know some people like it to be in person. You were sitting there, I will see you cry in person kind of thing. <laughs> So it's awesome that you're like this. It's awesome because yeah. it helps yeah, a lot of us. Exactly so. because you don't want to you don't want to limit who you work with if you have a match just because you can't be in the same room. Exactly. That's, to me, that's very limiting. Yes. So because I do everything via Zoom, I'm able to work with anyone anywhere. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I really, really, really appreciate you coming on, and if you will. Come on again. I would really appreciate it because I'm sure we'll find something else to talk about. Absolutely. But I really appreciate you coming on and I thank you again. But um, I guess this is the end of the episode with Yvonne. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for having me, Paige. You're welcome. It is a blessing to meet you. When I heard your conversation with my niece, Alyssa, I was just so blessed by the conversation just to hear the freedom between the two of you young women. It just blessed the socks off of me. Awesome. I love that. I love that. (laughs) Well, I appreciate you guys listening. And this is the end of the episode of Paramount Life with Paige. Y'all have a great rest of your day.